Matt Stab, you're done writing all of your capsules for the 2021 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. My question for you, could you write like three or four more? Hell no. Tap and step. Your premium Texas High School football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your internet brethren, I suppose, at texasfootball.com and Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. I'm your football friend, Matt Stepp. You're from up north. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. We thank you for being a part of, of this podcast and 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 uh, making your annual contribution to Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And by the way, there's a fair chance that, that we have like a, a, a good number of new listeners because this is subscri- subscribed to DCTF season. That's right. So, yes, and we thank you and we love you very much. So if this is your first episode of Tep and Step, welcome, very welcome, welcome. to you, especially all, all you people who have been uh, listening to us for a while. Like, I mean, it's good to see you again, but like you're the cool. new people, yeah, you're all right. Yeah, but the new people, you guys are, you guys are great. Yeah. Um, uh, on today's yeah, show, shiny guys, and beautiful. Yeah, I know. This is your May off-season edition. Um, so here's here's a bit of a rundown, I think. We can kind of give people a bit of a rundown for the rest of the summer. Sure. That we've got our May edition. I'll tell you what we're going to do here in a moment. Uh, we're going to do our June edition. That is going to be uh, probably our state seven-on-seven seven preview. Yeah. Um, you know, probably a couple other things here, here and there, but it's going to be mostly previewing state seven-on-seven. Uh, our July edition will probably be we'll probably record it at uh, coaching school. To what we've we done in rec- the past, we, what we should do is record it on the exhibit floor and like make a big announcement so all the coaches can come by and watch the magic in action. To watch the magic of Tep and Step in action. So what you're saying is make a big announcement for people to come and look at two goons talking into microphones. Yeah, and then no, no one will recognize me because I can't. I'm not wearing my ball cap. That's the that's the annual coaching school tradition. Wow. Right? Other than falling in the river, it's people not knowing yes. that Matt Step. Is, people walking up to our booth and going, "Hey, where's Matt Step?" And I'm standing right in front of them. I'm standing, literally sitting right here. Yeah, um, so that'll be our July episode. And then by the time we after that, it's August, and we're probably going to get ramped up and probably do two or three episodes in August. Yeah, um, just preview episodes. We, you know, we'll, yeah. we we blow it out pretty good. I, so, I can't remember how we broke it up last year. I think we did one. We did maybe one or two like <sighs> overall season preview episodes, and then we jumped into the week one preview after that. So, because my well, my question was, is, but last year was wonky because we had the staggered yes. schedule anyway. So we got it got weird quick last year. Yeah, I want to say we it was something along those lines. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll we will figure we'll. It out. We've got a whole big summer of Tep and Step planned for you, but this May edition is our special sleeper episode. Uh, I love it. We're going to talk sleepers, uh, teams that we are really excited about, and we're also going to hand out the Steppy Awards, um, which is uh, – are, are the trophies awards. ready? Are yeah, trophies we got the ready? trophies, okay, little bobbleheads right. with your head okay. on it, um, uh, where we're going to hand out some awards, some superlatives, because now coaching change season is mostly, mostly done. Um, we're at the point in coaching change season now when a coaching change happens we all freak out because we have to like go back and edit the magazine it's like like there's 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 already been two today and there'll be another one later tonight 
So it's like everyone I basically everyone that happens now, I kind of have to give you a heads up in in the Slack and say, Hey, this is changing. So if you're a coach and you're listening to my voice, don't change jobs right now. Like just don't, uh, June 1st, uh-uh. have at it. Just that, at that point, we have yeah. plausible deniability at that point. Yes. June 1st, like, oh, you're good. good. Couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to get into all of that coming up here in a moment. But first, Matthew, we will start as we always do with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. And I got a good one for you. Oh, hell. This is the All worst. right. This is good. All right. I want you to think back to the 2020 Texas high school football season. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. We're talking only 2020. Sweet, clean, terrible 2020. What three UIL 11-man Texas high school football teams had two rushers of more than 1,500 yards? What three 11-man UIL Texas high school football teams had two 1,500-yard rushers? Okay, I'm gonna go Liberty Hill because they rushed for like a million a million yards last year. Correct. They had Blake Simpson who ran for 2,024 yards, and they also had Trey Seward who ran for 1622. Now after that, it gets a little tougher. Liberty Hill was just such a machine last year. That was that was an easy, that's easy the, one. Yeah, last that's, year. that's the layup. That's the one you yeah, gotta have. That's the that's the one. Yeah, it gets a little tougher now. Um. How about Franklin? Franklin is not in the list. Seth Spiller ran for sixteen nineteen, but Bryson, uh, but Bryson Washington, Byron Washington ran for thirteen seventy six. So oh, he did not get close. to fifteen hundred. Close. close, good guess. Close, yeah. Good Franklin guess. Was, yeah. Um, uh, let's go. It's got to be somebody who played I'll, a lot of games. I'll just say this: I also think there's one more obvious one. Oh gosh! Now I'm I'm blanking on the obvious one. Um, hang on, give me just a second here. Uh, Would you like a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. This is tough. Six A. Okay. Played very deep in the playoffs, and they always run the stinking ball. <sighs> Oh, was it Katie? Katie. Seth Davis ran for yeah. 1756 and Jalen Davis ran for 1517. Yeah. I was, was going to say, I was going to say, Hey, it's consolidated for a minute, but, but our, our buddy Les Goad is, has, I don't want to say he's full on a band of the slot T, but he's, he's in the, he's in the shotgun a little bit more now. He's, he really is. He's, yeah. He's, he's, but there's one more. The mafia and this is a little, their back on him. This one's a little bit tougher. I think, um, it's a little more of a deep cut. A little bit more of a deep cut. It's 4A, and okay. it is okay. – let me see if I can give you a region. Um, and it we are talking region three. Region three. Okay. Uh, Two 1,500-yard rushers. Is it – Salado. Another good guess, but no. Uh, they had Noah Mesher who went for 1577, and they had uh, Reed Vincent who went for 1218. The answer, Matthew, is China Spring. Uh, China Spring had Emmanuel, 
Yep, Emmanuel Abdallah went for twenty two eighty, and Major Baladin went for fifteen thirty four. And you know so they didn't those play, are, they they didn't play that deep, did they? Did they the second round or third round? They, they were um, in Carthage in the third they, round, didn't they? Trying to spring, they went into they they weren't in the regional final. Oh, they got to the fourth regional round. Final. Okay, yeah. Okay, so they went. Uh, they played thirteen games. Yeah, uh, but they had a, two fifteen yeah. hundred rushers, and those are the only two, the only three, the only three teams uh, to have uh, two fifteen hundred yard rushers: Liberty Hill, Katy, and China Spring. There it is. All amazing in this day and age of spread football that three teams could have do that, and they're all three three really really good teams. Yeah, they're really good teams. Um, yeah, you know now. Part of it is that they were really good. Part of it is also they played so far that they were able to go and you know. Get go go extra numbers, yeah, but still pretty amazing to have two 1500 yard rushers, anyway. There it is, your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. All right, Matthew, it's award season, I guess. I don't know, that's Mm. a bad segue, but whatever. It's always Um, award season at Dave Campbell's. We're we're giving an award, (laughs) we we like to, we love high school football so much that award season is just year round for us, sure. Sure, whatever you say. Um, there's, there's a, um, there were, as far as I can tell, I believe. What do you have a do you have a count on the number of coaching changes we had this year? I, I can give you a count in in two seconds. As okay. we, we're we're gonna vamp. You can just edit this out. Yep, you know, and, and here we go. I'm definitely gonna edit this out. Don't worry. This is definitely getting edited out. Oh yeah, one, editing two. this out. I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm now. not gonna edit this out. No, no. 172 plus 11, 183, and we are at 196 UIL 11-man One. yeah, job openings, which uh, tw- with 24 <laughs> jobs still vacant on May 17th, there are 24 head football coaching jobs that are vacant at the moment. As at, the, so, at the moment, there's one coaching change that's happening tonight, which will make it 197, and I'm not counting that yet. Uh, so 196 is the is the number right now, uh, and that's UIL 11 men. That's 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 right under 20 percent. Uh, doing some quick yes, mental math, which which is a little high for a not you know realignment years yeah. typically will go above 200. I mean I've seen one year we went to two, 250 on a realignment year. Non realignment years are typically a little slower. We're talking 160 to 180. Um, this has been a little bit busier of a non-realignment season, just because of you know of last year the COVID. You know, I think there was some spillover that jobs that probably would have opened up last year that that just opened up this year because of COVID and all the uncertainty last off season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think we probably could have seen that coming, and so it's been a little bit of an active, excuse me, an active um, coaching change season. But it is it is winding down. I would say that. At this point, we are we are not anticipating too much more movement. We'll probably. What do you think? You, 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 you well, let's put it this way: we're at 196. Do you think we'll get to 200? Yes, I do think we'll get to 200. Okay. Um, and just because there's so many jobs still open, and we'll have a few yeah. domino effects there. But but yeah. the, for the most part, what you'll see is jobs that are being filled now that are open this late are more than likely going to be internal hires. At the later you go in the off season, the likelihood of internal hires begins to go up um, a little bit more. So I, I think for the most part, um, the hires that are made now will be internal hires or, or assistants who are just trying to find jobs at this point. And so we're going to hand out the Steppy awards, the Steppy uh, awards. Yes. In Such which, a prestigious uh, award. The most prestigious award. Just, I mean, you know, the, the glitz, the glamour, the red carpet, uh, where we uh, we give out some superlatives for this coaching change season. 
Uh, and so we've got five categories to go through, and and I've I've, I've sent you the categories and, and had you prepare for them. I've got my own uh, picks for them. Uh, the only rule is you have to pick a different school for each of these awards. That's okay. the only rule. And so we will start with the biggest step bomb award. I would say this is the uh, this is the best picture this, of uh, of our of the of the Steppy Awards. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so this goes to what I would call the most surprising coaching move. And so Matt Stepp, who's your pick for the biggest step bomb of the season? I mean, it's got to be Chad Morris to Allen, right? I mean, that's that's the biggest uh, coaching yeah. change of the office. I mean, you, you talk about bringing in a guy, a Texas high school Hall of Famer, bringing him back from a, a hot coaching high level college football as a head coach at, at one point. I mean, that, to me, that's that's the no brainer step bomb of the year so far. I think that I think that's probably right. Uh, I will say just to be different, um, I'm going to go with Chad Rogers to Tioga. Um, uh, going from Denison to Tioga, especially a Denison team that does look pretty good this year, at least on paper, uh, with uh, Jadarian Price back for his senior year. Um, I would say that Chad Rogers going from Denison to Tioga is up there, but I think you're right. I think we'd be, we'd be fooling ourselves if we didn't say that Allen opening anytime the largest school in the state and, and one of the most high profile jobs in America opens, um, it has to be considered pr- at least at least up there for step bomb of the year for sure. Uh, I for would sure. Say. So yep. uh, that is a that's the biggest step bomb. All right, the most under the radar coaching move. Now I left this purposefully vague, but for all the attention that we've paid to things like Allen, right? For all the attention we play, paid to th- things like Lancaster, uh, to uh, to some of the big name openings to Beaumont Westbrook and 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 and, and those things. Some of those jobs, I think, are um, are are maybe overshadowing some of the other moves that are uh, kind of flying under the radar. What is your pick for the most under the radar coaching move of the offseason? You know, I'm going to go with. I, I don't think this 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 coaching change has been talked about enough, but I think Brent Davis to Gregory Portland is going to mm. do big things. That it, I, it's not quite it's not super under the radar. I just don't think it's being talked about enough. And maybe it's because Brent Davis wasn't in a major metro area, but the success that he had at San Angelo Central and his track record in the past, especially down in that part of the state. I mean, we're talking about a guy who who did great things at Alice, took Sinton to a state championship game. I mean, he's done some wonderful things in the Coastal Bend, and, and he's going to a power program in Gregory Portland that has resources and is pouring a lot of resources into this thing. I think in a, in a, in a, it's going to take him about a year or two to kind of get things going. But I think in the very near future, you're going to see Gregory Portland reemerge as a power in Region 4 and 5A football. And I just don't think that, that, that shrewd of a hire is getting enough play. I got two for this one. The first one is one that came down earlier this month. Uh, feels like nobody's talking about who Kilgore hired. Um, Kilgore's a big job out there in East Texas. They hired Clint Fuller, the defensive coordinator from Pleasant Grove. And, and I would imagine if you talk with Josh Gibson, he will tell you what a good hire that is. Yeah, I mean, rising star. You know, Clint Fuller is a rising star. Yeah, most certainly. And I think that's one that's not getting enough play. The other one, and maybe, I don't know when this happened, um, but they, um, uh, but oh, I guess it was, I guess it was in March. But Taylor hiring Brandon Houston, uh, maybe it's because Taylor just hasn't. It's been on the skids for for a while. But Brandon Houston is a really good coach. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who went thirty. I want to say he was thirty-two and six 
in um, three seasons at Buffalo. Yeah. And I mean, he basically has their two best seasons in school history happened in his three years there. 12 right. and one and 12 and one in 18 and 12 and two and 20. And then, you know, he sandwiched it with between a, you know, uh, you know, eight and three, you know, well, one year he goes cool. eight and three. Well, and, and that's the thing that's worth mentioning is that like, uh, yeah, you know, Gary Grubbs left after 2017. They were 10 and two that year. But that was that ten and two year. The year before was their first ten win season since nineteen sixty one. I mean, Buffalo is not a place that you just roll out of bed and win ten games. No. And yet, what Brandon Houston did there is awful impressive. Now he's going to try to work that magic there at Taylor. I feel like the Ducks that 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 hire is 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 flying under people's radar a little bit too much. Uh, that I think is is really really interesting. Keep an eye on that one. All right, I want. The weirdest coaching change story of the offseason. And I don't, maybe it's COVID, maybe whatever it is. I don't, maybe we're just not used to having drama. I feel like you've got a bunch of different options here for your weirdest coaching change story. What is your weirdest coaching change story? I do, but I have to protect the innocent a little bit. Um, I can't name, but like, no, to me, South Grand Prairie was a very strange um, process there. I mean, that job was offered. You know, they were. It was offered to a coach in a different part of the state, and he, uh, far enough away that he had to fly in to kind of check things out. And he flies mm-hmm. in, and, and everything is going great. And he turns the job down. Uh, the coach who shall re- remain nameless because he chose to stay at his current program, um, and uh, basically, you know, s- decides you know because the Grand Prairie ISD only offered him a one year contract, and he's like, I can't move across the state. <laughs> with a guarantee of a one-year contract in, in ultra-competitive 6A, uh, you know, DFW football. So that was probably the weirdest weirdest coaching change. If you're looking for the weirdest move, you know, I, I think, you know, Ruben Torres going going from El Paso to Marlin uh, yeah. seemed a little – was a little weird to me. Um, not weird to the fact – because there's a connect, there's always a connection. When you, when you find these coaching changes, there's almost always a connection – and the connection is this Marlin ISD superintendent, Dr. Daryl Henson, who at one time worked in El Paso and was very familiar with Coach Torres, who was uh, a, a very successful head coach there there in, in the El Paso Isleta and did a great job at El Dorado uh, as well before he went became a, an assistant coach at El Paso Franklin. So going from El Paso to Class 2A Marlin in Central Texas, I think classifies as the weirdest move yeah. um, of the offseason. So – for mine, I'm going to dip into the six-man ranks, and you know exactly where I'm going. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, this is all you right here. This is the, okay. that, that, it, I'm not a six-man football guy, obviously, but yes. this, is, this is bonkers. Okay. So Dwayne Lee, the very successful four-time state champion head coach at Strawn, built them into a powerhouse. Um uh, just uh, you know, routinely considered, you know, you know, widely considered to be one of the very best six-man football coaches in the state, if not America. Uh, if you've seen the uh, uh, a Texas Six, I think is the CBS All Access uh, like documentary series they have about Strawn. He's the he's the coach there. I mean, it's it's he's he's uh, a a six-man big six-man. Coach. I've heard of him. If I've heard yes. of him, he's a big he's big, yes. big. Yeah. Okay. He's a big deal. So. He goes and he takes the job at Aquila and brings pretty much his entire staff over to Aquila. I don't want to overstate this because Aquila does have a past. They've been good in the past. But to, to give, put it in an 11-man perspective, this would be the equivalent of a coach like 
uh, maybe a coach like Todd Dodge leaving Austin Westlake and going to like, mm, I'm trying to think of like a, like a good pro- a program that's been good at times, but isn't certainly isn't in, at, at, at their peak right going to like Waco high. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's they a good, have that's a history. A good, yeah. That's They've been call. pretty good, but you're like, what are you, what? Like, that's such a strange move, but Aquila made a big push and they want to, you know, they've, they've invested in it, uh, you know, and, and, and they've made it, they made it worth his while. They, they, so that they, was, they, 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 they took care of him quite well. And we're talking yes. very small schools with limited budget as well. But we're talking things got things. This was a move. One of those making them offer. He can't refuse. And he didn't refuse him. Mm-hmm. So now comes the report from our friend Brandon McAuliffe at Big Country Preps. This came down on Friday that Dwayne Lee has left Aquila and is going to be named the new superintendent at Strong. The new superintendent at Strong. <laughs> and so I don't know what's going on there. And and by the way, we have not independently verified that. Brandon Brandon knows his sources and I I think he's I think he's he's on to something here. Yeah, but to he, be, would, to he be, wouldn't have gone with it without correct. You know, he, he's probably verified it on his end at some point. Mo, most certainly. And yeah. so uh, this is so that means that he something happened where Strawn he had left, he had gone and introduced himself to his kids at Aquila. And now he's going to go back and be the superintendent there and presumably head coach as well. It is by far the wildest story of the offseason. I don't think there's any comparison to this, uh, what's going on in, in yeah. the six-man world. Because, again, well, uh, like this this wouldn't be that huge of a deal if he wasn't this good of a coach. Like yes. he Because he is a four-time state champion coach, and by the way, Strawn figures to be pretty darn good again this year, it's like shocking the amount of, of like – drama that's gone gone on around this job and then you know you factor in what happens to his assistant coaches that went to aquila with him right do they go back to strong i mean and, and yeah here's the other question is Dwayne lee going to serve as superintendent and head football coach or is he going to hire yeah. one of his guys back from aquila back to strong and yeah. then aquila's sitting over here going what the hell man like yeah what did we, what did deal. we do yeah. i know and it so, is it, yeah it is Wild. a crazy crazy story in this expand ranks uh that's my that's my pick for weirdest coaching story okay now this is my favorite one to pick okay this is the rookie coach to watch award the only rule here you can pick any of the coaches but the only rule is this has to be their first head coaching job Mm -hmm. uh which who are you giving the rookie coach to watch award uh for the offseason i'm gonna go with my buddy dj man at lubbock coronado Mm -hmm. Uh, I think him going back to his alma mater, huge deal. Be, he's been around successful programs at Cedar Hill and at Crosby and at Sulphur Springs. You know, DJ was at Sulphur Springs when they were really, really strong. Mm-hmm. He's been around some really strong programs. He gets to go home to Lubbock Coronado, and he's taking over a program that's built to win. You know, Seth Parr did a great job at Coronado building that that thing up into a powerhouse in West Texas. You know, and I think that's that's the one to watch to see if if. Coach Mann can keep Coronado where they are and potentially take them um, to another level. You know, and, and they're going to be, you know, Coronado's got a lot of guys to replace. They graduated a really good senior class, you know, losing their quarterback to Mississippi State, that kind of thing. But they should still be one of the better 5A Division One teams in West Texas. I think that's an excellent pick. Of course, you and I are both quite fond of Coach Mann. I'm going to go a little bit off the board. Okay. I'm going to go to Blue Ridge. And I'm going to say... Ah. 
Keep an eye on Tim Wiley, the new coach at Blue Ridge. He was, he's been the offensive coordinator for Gunner, their district rival, by the way, for a while now. And if you've ever seen the Gunner offense, you know how good, <laughs> how, how dangerous, how fun that offense can be. You know, Blue Ridge is a team that I think, I think that you can squint and see a lot of the similar characteristics of this job in Gunner. Uh, Gunner, I think, has more resources and they've invested a little bit more into it. But, you know, as far as the the kinds of kids that they've got there and stuff, I think that's easy to see uh, yeah. a way that he could he could help build a Blue Ridge into a into a, a team we're talking about. Um, and and you know, I don't think they're that far away from making the playoffs right now. I mean, they're no, they, they were a playoff team uh, two years ago under Mark Chester, um, who yeah. coached Chester. Ironically, we talked about Gregory Portland earlier. He went back to his alma mater, Gregory Portland. Reunites with Brent Davis, who he was a DC with at San Angelo Central for a long time. Now Mark Chester is Brent Davis's defensive coordinator, assistant head coach down there at Gregory Portland. Yeah, I, I would I would just keep an eye on Blue Ridge. I think Tim Wiley's a really savvy hire there. Uh, that's that's the guy that I'm going to give my rookie coach to watch. Uh, nod. All right, okay. and finally, uh, maybe the most controversial of the awards. This is the the pressure cooker award. This is which coach is under the most pressure to perform immediately. I mean, like this year, you better be winning or we're going to be wondering what we're doing. Now, look, we've already mentioned Chad Morris probably needs to win at Allen. I think that goes without saying. But mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. who who is under the most pressure to win right now? I think it's Billy Mathis at Brock. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you know, you take over for Chad Worrell. I mean, all Brock has done since starting to play football is be elite and make at least the third round of the playoffs every single year. And last year they go, I think, eleven and one. Maybe it was twelve and one. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. Remember. I think they lost to Jim Ned in the in the third round. I think it was the third um, round. Maybe yeah, and so, um, you know, that's you know, third round. You know, third round is not good enough in Brock, and so that just shows yeah. you. You know, Billy Mathis is coming in. He did a good job at Weatherford. He's he's taking a step down in classification, but really up in in pressure because there's not a lot of pressure to win at Weatherford. I mean, no offense no. to Weatherford and in, in what they're doing there, but that they're they don't have delusions of grandeur at Weatherford. You know, winning. You know, they're not they're not taking down South Lake Carroll and Allen and Duncanville anytime soon. Um, yeah. But at Brock, they expect state championships, and he's got a lot of pressure because he's looking at Jim Ned in his own region the defending state champs who bring back the house next year. So they're looking at more than likely a third round rematch with Jim Ned in the playoffs. And if Brock, you know, that that's a lot of pressure, you know, and Brock, Brock wins and everything. And they, they take a lot of pride in winning in football. And so, you know, the question there is if, what if, what if he goes 12 and 0 and then loses Jim Ned in the third round of the playoffs? Is that good enough? Yeah. Right, that's a high bar. It's a really high bar. It is, yeah. Ch- Chad Worrell did not do his his uh, the guy following him any favors. Um, I got two here. I think one's obvious, and we talked about this. But uh, hey, uh, hey, Blake Weston, um, you'd probably better think about winning early at Sonora. Uh, yeah, because that place has been a revolve. They are, Sonora is in notorious notorious for being hard on coaches. I mean, we've yeah. we've seen we've seen it multiple times now with David Sign, Jeff Cordell, a lot of guy, you know, lot Creighton Phillips, a lot of guys who have won a lot of games in a short time at Sonora have been have been let go or or you know pushed out, so to speak, chewed so, up and spit out. Yeah, and so Sonora I mean, is one place that's just they're, they're hard on coaches. They're hard on coaches. Another one, and I would just throw this one out there. 
I think JD Martinez needs to make a splash at Bridgeport. Um, I think that they made, I think that they went out there and they got a big fish coach in, in JD Martinez, you know, bringing him over from Sherman. Uh, and I think, you know, this is, this is another place that they've got a lot of pedigree. They've got a lot of history and they want to get back to that. And I think that, you know, look, uh, I thought Shannon William, you know, Shannon Wilson did a pretty good job, uh, in his four years there, but I don't think that that was, you know, enough for, for Bridgeport there. And, and, you know, they, that's a, that's a program in a town that expects to be in contention. Uh, they you expect know. a challenge for district titles and, and, yeah. and multiple multiple playoff wins, and I think Bridgeport was two and nine last year. And that's just you know just not going to cut it. Yeah, it just it it is, and so that's one th- one place I think I think JD Martinez bring in like a, a guy with big name and a big a big school you know big school pedigree. I think he's going to be under some pressure to win here in in the first year. What, so so there you more, go. One more to yeah. one more to throw at you. Chris, what about Chris Evans at Hamlin following Russell Lucas? Yeah, that's a, dude, that's no a big shoes no to pressure. fill as well. Yeah. No pressure. That's that's another one that that you know you 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 go and you're 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 trying to do big things. Um, you know, look, I would also say you know we talked with him on the uh, on the show or uh, not rather I talked with him for my five A preview of a Ben Bittner down there at Corpus Christi Vets. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, following Coach Simper and and look, he's mentioned he mentioned to me that 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 a lot of it's going to be. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We've got a system here, and it's gonna it's gonna carry us through. But you know, that's that's a place that they've gotten used to winning. They like winning down there because it's all they've yes. ever known, mm-hmm. and and you don't want to give them a taste of anything different. So, uh, a lot of pressure, I think, on on a number of coaches across the state. But there they are, the 2021 Te- Steppy Awards. Um, I thought that it went well. Congratulations! Fanfare, to, yeah. Congratulations! Fanfare to all, next year. All, all the way. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll I'll put some fanfare in post. I won't there put some fanfare in post. So there you go. All right, Step, there's one more thing to do on this episode of Tep and Step. And that is one of your very, this is one of your very favorite segments of the year. Um, it's when we're doing sleepers. Talking sleepers, we are we are knee deep, neck deep, eyeball deep in the 2021 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas football. And so we're getting a look at where we're figuring out rankings, we're figuring out how things are going to break, things that we, teams that we like, teams that we don't like, teams that maybe you're sleeping on. Well, we want to give you that insider information. Tell you who are the teams that we uh, really that we really like um, that maybe you're not necessarily thinking of. Yes, spoiler alert. I think that Katie's going to be pretty good this year. Okay, Ooh, that limb, that limb is thin. Yeah, I'm, Man, I'm out that's there. I'm out there. Ooh, yeah. what's up? I think Westlake and Southlake Carroll probably pretty good this year. Okay, that's uh, you know I'm out there. But we want to get below that the, the surface. We want to dig down deep and let you know. Some of these sleepers. So, so I, I came up with four categories, um, and that, and, and and again, same thing. We've got to pick a different one for each category. But you can arrange them however you want um, for sleepers and 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 teams that you are high on. That that these I would say these would define different kinds of sleepers. And so we'll start with a team with a new coach. A team with a new coach. Which team with a new coach that you would classify as a sleeper? Because look, Allen's not a sleeper. Um, who, which team with a new coach are you going to give the Matt Step sleeper uh, stamp to? How about Rick Rhodes at Cameron Yo? Ooh, yeah. He's coming back to the to the place where he had a ton of success. Dude, He's you want to talk kinda, about pressure, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Cameron Yo goes four and five last year, misses the playoffs, but he's bringing, you know, 14 starters are coming back. I I, I think Cameron Yo is poised for a big bounce back year this year. 
And I think Rick Rhodes has just got whatever that magic is with Rhodes and Cameron Yo. They just seem to go together, and I, and I think you're going to see Cameron Yo begin to make their way back up the rankings in 3A Division One next year. I think that's an excellent pick for a sleeper. My sleeper with a new coach, and again, I don't. I mean, maybe it's just because they weren't very good last year, but they can fit into a couple of different. Not very good by their own standards, but they can fit in a couple of different of these categories. San Antonio Brandeis, guys. Mm-hmm. San Antonio Brandeis. I think maybe you look at David Branscombe leaving to go be the defensive coordinator at Allen. You're like, oh, well, they're going to take a step back. First of all, if they made a great hire in bringing Charles Bruce uh, from San Antonio Wagner, I think he's he's a he's a darn good coach. But furthermore, dude, this team's loaded. This team is loaded mm-hmm. with dudes, yep. and especially on that defensive side. Um, you know, with with Aiden and Esta Rodriguez and Adam Cuevas. I mean, they've got versatility, they've got weaponry, and furthermore, they have, I think, a manageable, I think a district that they can win. You know, Reagan is probably the favorite there. Johnson may be in that mix, but I think they're 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 certainly going to be up there. And then, you know, depending on how things break, let's see, I want to look at the enrollments. They're going to go to Division Two. And so, you know, look, if Westlake goes Division One like they did last year, suddenly doesn't that make make it wide open in Region Four? I mean, uh, there did, 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 any, did anyone have Hayes consolidated win, winning Region yeah. Four last year? I mean, right. I, I mean, so that is to me a team that ticks a lot of boxes, and the only thing that might hold you back is the coaching change. Coach Bruce has coached teams deep in the playoffs. I think that Brandeis is a team that could fall into that sleeper category uh, and really make a run. Uh, especially if Division Two breaks in, in in the way that they're hoping it does, so that's my team to keep an eye on is San Antonio Brandeis. That's my sleeper with a new coach. All right, a team that missed the playoffs last year. What team that missed the playoffs last year are you buying in on? Burleson. I'm Ooh. buying in on the Elks and John Kitna this year. They got a lot back on defense. They're going to be really young on offense, but but I feel like a John Kitna coach team is is they're going to find a way to be good on offense, and they'll they'll score points. But defensively, with bringing back eight starters, they anticipate to have one of their really really strong on the defensive side of the ball, and they've got a really good sophomore quarterback, uh, Dylan Rayola, who is the son of John Kitna's former center at the Detroit, the Detroit Lions, a Dominic Rayola. It's mm-hmm. his son. And it doesn't seem like that long ago Dominic Rayola was playing NFL football, and he's got a son who's a sophomore. That's that that tells me I'm old and washed. You uh, are. He he's looked really good in seven on seven early on, and I think Burleson is a team that that just missed out on the playoffs last year. Should be pretty good this year, and I think they're a team that you can really keep an eye on. You know, they're going to get overshadowed by Alito and Mansfield Timberview in the district, but I think Burleson c- could be a strong contender to to take one of those playoff spots next year and possibly win a playoff game or two next year. I'm going to go down to the 3A ranks. I'm buying in on a Whitesboro. Okay? I okay. like what I see with Whitesboro. Third year to coach Cody Fagan. I think that's big for them. Um, I think having just another full offseason, they bring back 18 starters from last year's team that basically just lost a tiebreaker for a, for a playoff spot. And furthermore, like you take a look at District 4, okay? They're in there with Brock. You know, yeah, of course they're the big looming giant, but what if what if the coaching change doesn't go well? You know, Pilot Point is in there, but what if they take a step back? You know, they've got to kind of rebuild a little bit of that offense there. Whitesboro, I think, is poised to make some noise this year. 
I think that this is a team that can make the playoffs. And once they get in, I mean, look, Region 1 of 3A Division 1 has been where we've seen the surprises, right? Mm-hmm. Jim Ned last year, the big surprise. Now, obviously, Jim Ned, I think, is going to be one of the favorites to come out of Region 1 this year. But I will say, keep an eye on Whitesboro that if things do open up a little bit and Shallow Water takes a step back and, and, and Bushland takes a step back and things like that, that Whitesboro could be that team that that is on that is that is peaking at the right time in a in a time when there's a maybe a little bit of flux in that region. Um, I think Whitesboro, there's a lot to like about Cody Fagan's squad, uh, and this could be the year that they really break through uh, and and have a big year. I think that this is a team that's got a lot of experience, and and between this year and I think next year, I think Whitesboro could have a couple of years uh, that of of really really good football out there. So they're my pick as far as teams that missed the playoffs last year for my sleeper. All right, we're talking sleepers. We're going to go with a team that finished 500 or worse last year. So a team that finished 500 okay. or worse because now, now you know, Whitesboro could have fit under there. They went four and six. But which team that finished 500 or worse are you going to give a losing or or, or, had, or are you going to say is a sleeper this year? This is, a, this is cheating a little bit because they, this team did go to the third round of the playoffs last year. Allen. But they were they were six and seven. They Uh-oh. were six and okay. seven last year. Okay. Look, look, if I set the rules, if somebody breaks the game, then that's that's my own fault. Uh, I'm I'm loving the resume of San Antonio Southwest. Mm. We're talking about a team that brings back all eleven offensive starters from a team that went to the third round of the playoffs last year. And brings back seven on defense. So eighteen returning starters from a team that got to the third round of the playoffs last year. They did get blown out in the third round last year, but with in five A Division One Region Four, it, that thing is wide open. I mean, I mean, Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial blew through the di- region last year, but I think losing their coach, losing their their quarterback, um, they, they've got a lot of lot of guys to replace. I, I think Region Four and Five A Division One is wide open, and why not a team like San Antonio Southwest who brings back literally everyone on the offensive side of the ball and, and seven starters on defense? This is a team that I think is poised for a big, big year this year and could be one of the real, you know, they're not talked about very much because, you know, San Antonio, most of the talk in San Antonio centers around the 6A schools, you know, your your Judsons, your Steels, your Smithson Valleys, um, you know, teams like, you know, Brandeis, Reagan, uh, teams like that. And so the, the 5As, especially on the south side of town, don't get as much much attention. And I think Southwest has a chance to really do some special things this year. I think that's an excellent pick, and I've 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 been laying out those pages this week, and I found myself saying, "Yeah, there's there's a lot to like about them. That the, the dragons have a lot coming back." All right, for mine, they finished 500 last year. They went six and six. Let's talk about El Dorado, El Dorado, Ooh. El Dorado, whatever you want to say. El Dorado, the, I think, is the uh, if you if you don't want to get uh, people yelling at you in town, yes. I believe it is El Dorado. Here's why I love El Dorado. They got a great resume. Okay. First of all, they were really good last year. Okay. They were six, they were, they were six and five going into the area round of the playoffs when they got eliminated. And they didn't lose. Mm-hmm. They caught the Rona and yep. got eliminated. They were probably, um, yeah, I would have put them as favorites over to Hennis. I, I I think in my pre-play, I think I had them in the third round of the play. I think I had them okay. losing to uh, Fall City in the Fall third City. round. Yeah. yeah. Well, that team, which has got to feel like they got cheated, like they got snubbed last year because they just caught COVID at the wrong time. They bring back 19 starters from last year's team. 
And you know I love a coach in his second year. John Long's in his second year there at, at El Dorado. This team, and, and, and you look at, I don't know, you look at Region 4 of 2A Division 2. Right? You look at Region 4, and yes, there's Fall City. And everyone knows that Fall City is a team to beat. But who's the second best team? Who are you absolutely sure is the second best team in that region? Right? It's yeah, probably Chris- either El Dorado or, or their district rival, Cristobal. Yeah, and Cristobal brings back a lot, but I believe they lost their one. one I think it was their quarterback who really was kind of their <clears throat> kind of their bell cow. He graduated, and so um, you know, I yeah, think, they lost I, the I think MVP. I think El Dorado could easily um, overtake Cristobal this year, you know, yeah. and push themselves into that number two spot. And you know, Fall City's a team that 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 should be good, but they're not without questions either. At this level, yeah. you lose one or two key guys, and it can really change the complexion of your team. I think when you're, you know, uh, Corbin Covarrubias, their senior, uh, I believe, is, gonna, is a third-year starter there for uh, for El Dorado. I love this Eagles team. And the more I looked at this, I was like, I think this is a team that could really make a lot of noise. We could be talking about very deep in the playoffs there in, in El Dorado. All right, and finally, and I love this kind of vague, but I said a team most people probably haven't heard of or thought of in a, in a while. This is kind of the wild card uh, sleeper here. This is, uh, you know, pick whoever you want more or less. Just don't pick uh, Alito. Uh, if you pick Alito, uh, I'm, then, then you're canceled. Uh, so uh, okay. who is your sleeper that most people probably haven't heard of or thought of in a while? Clearly it's the Everman Bulldogs. No, I'm just kidding. The Everman uh, Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, going back to the San Antonio, greater San Antonio area, Keep an eye on those Poteet Aggies. You know, mm. two years ago they were 0 10, and they went from 0 and 10. You know, uh, in they were 0 and 10 and uh, three years ago, 0 and 10 in 2018, 3 and 8 in 2019. They bubble up last year and go 8 and 3, um, and you know, fall in a close game to a really good Blanco team in the first round of the playoffs. Coach Darby House brings back nine starters on both sides of the ball. Um, I think mm-hmm. this is a team that, you know, and I think we've got them, you know, kind of at the, right at the tail end of the top 25. We don't, we don't do a top 25 in the magazine, but in 3A Division One, they're, they're kind of on the tail end of, of our, our top 25 if we did a top 25. I think this is a team that, that as the season progresses, you could see start to push and, and get some consideration potentially for a top 10 ranking because of what yeah. they have coming back and their experience from a team that won eight games last year. So, you know, Poteet doesn't, you know, the, we talk about Mesquite Poteet more than Poteet, but keep yeah. an eye on the Aggies and Coach Darby House. I think they have a chance to do some really good things in 3A Division One this year. So you pick 3A Division One Region 4. I'm going to stick in 3A Division One Region 4, and I'm going to give you a challenging, a new challenger has, has entered. Let's go to the least talked about team in Corpus Christi, the London Pirates. Okay? I like this team a lot. And I like this team a lot. They're coming. Uh, they're, they're, that, that, that's uh, very fast. You know, London didn't play football six years ago. Yeah. I and mean, this is they've mm-hmm. they've they were t- a class two A school not that long ago, and they're they're growing like crazy. They're getting up. They're starting to get some of that spillover growth uh, from the on the, on the uh, t- uh, east. I think it's the east side of Corpus Christi, kind of southeast Corpus Christi, kind of growing. Um, mm-hmm. they, and they've been a, a coach. Rob, Rob, Robbie Moreno has done a really good job at the Pirates. Uh, he he really has, and let me tell you what they got this year. First of all, they got 15 starters back from last year's team that went seven and three, uh, finished second in district. Um, you know, ended up uh, they they I think they got a bad draw when they got Edna in the first round, and, and mm-hmm. you know lost 24-21. Okay, but 
This team has got beef. Okay. This team is huge for a 3A team. Okay. Bryce Marshall, 6'6, 290. Offensive that's, lineman. That's a division. He's a division one recruit. Like he's getting some looks from big, big time schools. Patrick McNorton, their defensive end, 6'4, 250. Okay. They got a 6'4 receiver on the outside, another 6'2 receiver on the outside, another 6'2, 255 sophomore offensive lineman. This team has got beef. And they are going to pound on people. I think this team has a chance. If they can, the big question for them is they got to find a quarterback. They got to find a quarterback. They graduated a really good quarterback from last year. They got to find a quarterback. But they answer that question. All the other pieces around them are there to make a run. And by the way, you look at Region 4, and I really hope that Pickle's not listening to this, but <laughs> tell me who the killer is in Region 4. It's, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's wide I mean, open. I mean, Lano won it last year, and, and we, you know, we, we talked about it last year before the season. You know, Region 4 and 3A Division 1 was wide open in anybody's game, and Lano took it last year, and I think, I think we could see a, easily see a mystery guest emerge again this year. It might be like I think the the default answer is usually Vanderbilt Industrial, um, and and there's every reason to believe they're going to be good, but like why not? Like that to me is what makes that so, them so intriguing. Is if you're going to have that mystery guest, you kind of got to have a, a a region that doesn't have this locked and loaded. Oh wow, that's the team to beat team in the region. And that's why I think you've gotten Region 4. I think that's why both of us kind of gravitated to Region 4 of 3A Division 1 when we were talking about these, is it's kind of wide open. You know, Lana was a, was a nice surprise last year, but there's no guarantee that there's not going to be another nice surprise there. And and I, I like a lot of what Corpus Christi London has, and 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 they are, they are my, they're my sleeper that I don't think anybody's talking about. So my four sleepers, I didn't keep track of yours, so you'll have to tell me. So I got San Antonio Brandeis, Whitesboro, El Dorado and Corpus Christi London. Who are your four? Uh, Cameron Yo, Burleson, San Antonio Southwest, and Poteet. Okay. Those are, those are good. So there you go. There's some sleepers uh, for the 2021 Texas football season here in May. Uh, that's what everybody wants to talk about. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you need, you need I, to I, have I, these for the water cooler talk. When the, when the magazine comes out, you got your, yes. you got your, you got your sleepers ready to go. You can talk yes. at the water cooler and look like a high school football expert. Well, and you're always the one cause you always, cause uh, here's the thing for me. Uh, I'll probably whiff on all four of those with all due. So I just gave Brandeis, Whitesboro, El Dorado and Corpus Christi London the kiss of death. You, however, at least one of those, you're going to hit and hit big and you're never going to shut up about it on this podcast. No, because that's what happens every year. 2019 post. We still, that's my crowning achievement and sleeper picked them right there. Yeah. 2019 post. You like called it and you're like, dude, I think they're going to play for a title. It's like, uh huh. Yep. That's exactly right. Um, We'll see if I, if I hit on any of those. So there you go. There's some Steppy awards and some sleepers for here in May as we are 11 days away from finishing this magazine and then I can sleep finally. So. Uh, there you go. That's going to do it for us. That's this episode of Tap and Step. We will be back next month with another episode previewing State 7 on 7 and more fun nonsense from your internet friends. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, spending a little bit of your day with us. Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. Talk to you next time on Tap and Step. <laughs>